Stay tuned for Paracon Radio with Ted Wolf and Psychic Cindy right here on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> hey, we got to read. You're listening to Paratalk Radio with Ted Wolf and Psychic Cindy on paratalkradio.com. Paratalk Radio is your one stop for all things paranormal, the unknown, and the supernatural. We cover topics such as ghosts, hauntings, UFOs, Bigfoot, and more. Paratalk Radio is a product of Genesee Valley Paranormal Investigators. Paratalk Radio is on every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, and YouTube. We are on AHAM Radio Network and blogtalkradio.com. You can watch live video streams of Paratalk Radio on (laughs) Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash Paratalk Radio. Paratalk Radio is recorded live at J-Wolf Studio in Ontario, New York. And you can contact us at tedgvpi at gmail.com. Okay, John, hit him with the disclosure. Some of the topics, discussions, and opinions expressed on the show may not be representative of Paratalk Radio, AHAM Radio Network, our hosts, or our sponsors. Some of the language used on the show may not be appropriate for listeners under 16. And now, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. <laughs> Round two. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse you. <laughs> Round two. So it's because I have um, Michelle Childers who says, more counting, LOL. Yeah. And then Sheila's going way too, hi, Cindy, hi, Ted, hi, John. <laughs> and Kristen's going, deja vu. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, this, uh, it, I, I don't know why it happened. It went to, I actually went through and checked to see what happened uh, on their end. And it only gave us a 15-minute show. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so we ended up with a 15-minute show. Boring. So, Boring. So, so I had to go back, and we actually had to reset, and now we're back to where we belong. So, so now did you do it for like 30 hours? 150 minutes. Okay. So it's a little over two hours. All right. Perfect. Yeah. So because we <laughs> lost 15 minutes, but not really, you know, so... <laughs> Wow, this so is starting out to be a great show. <laughs> Interesting. 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 Yeah. Hey, there's Doc. Hi, Hi Doc. Doc. Hi, oh, man. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Perfect. So what What an interesting show right from the beginning. You know what it was? They didn't like a rant about Scout. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> it's got to be. What else could it be? And, well, oh. somebody didn't like it. I don't know yeah, if it was exactly. the radio. Yeah, Somebody it was, didn't like it. So. It was um, somebody in spirit, right? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. So. All right, so let's get back to it. So um, we were talking, you and, know. And his mom was there with them at their at their, at, at their at camp. The picnic. At the, at the picnic, picnic yeah. Yep, yep. And so he got the strawberry. And you got the, strawberry got rhubarb rub- pie. The, just the rhubarb pie. Yep. I put strawberry in yep. there. Sorry, okay. Dr. Kobach. Yeah. Yeah, that was really amazing. Anyways, that's cool. I just want to tell people that if you're just now joining us, what happened was is that we lost 15 minutes of the show. It's actually on Facebook video. It is. We stayed live. We stayed live no matter what. But on Block Talk, there was a glitch somewhere, and they booted us 15 minutes in, and then we had to go reset again. So um, you missed. So if you're just joining in now, you'll have to go back and find, and we'll try and take both videos and plop them together to edit them so we have it. But either way, Dr. Baba was talking about – an experience at a family picnic where um, all they had was cherry pies and 
they got boxed up, and when they got back to their picnic, they ended up with a rhubarb. And yeah. that's what the children that's, wanted was a well, rhubarb. Well, that's what his mom, oh, his was, mom famous was, for, oh, was famous for. Oh, was famous for. rhubarb pie, okay. and they were saying how much that they, he he was wishing his mom was there. Yeah. And well, his I'm mom sorry, was interjecting I was, I was, and letting her, letting awesome. everybody know that she was there. And I think that's awesome. I do, too. That's really cool. But um, I love that. But I'm sorry about that, Doc. I'm sorry that this happened it's right okay. in the beginning. of It's okay, too. <laughs> At least it didn't happen halfway in, right? I know, and we didn't even we haven't we actually skipped a commercial break because of it, so we're okay, so we're we're good to go. So let's talk about some more ER experience and stories. So what what do you think? Um, now, is it a common factor that you found with the stories hey, that you got that a lot of them are when these people pass, they talk about a white light or someone sending them back that they weren't ready? Um. You know, there's a, a number of stories, and a lot of the stories involve the docs themselves and not so much their, their patients, which is interesting. But, you know, I, I, a number of docs will, will talk about uh, patients that have the white light and so forth, and I, and that, that could be a number of things. You know, when, you, when a person doesn't have enough blood to the brain, that's one of the things that can, can cause that. But, but there, are some, there are some things that, that have happened to people that, that uh, you can't quite explain. Um, one of those was an ER doc. Fred Bohoffer from our emergency department, who was taking care of a, a fellow that had a heart heart attack in the uh, ambulance, he brought him into the into the uh, ER and uh, he arrested three times, and each time he arrested, he had to be shot wow. out of it. And uh, you know, they finally got him into the cardiac room where they were able to give him some uh, medications, IV and so forth, to keep him from from arresting. And and he woke up, and and Fred Bohoffer said to him, you know, you were arrested three times, and he the fellow was aware of that. And he looked very calm and collected. And, he, and they said, well, why, why were you so calm? Don't you know what, what just happened to you? And he said, yes. But I was really reassured because the first time I arrested my father, I just saw my father. He came to me and, and uh, had a very kind and, and gentle expression on his face. And I was glad to see him. And, and it just reassured me. And then the next time, my wife came with my father, and, and they stood by my side. And, and then I woke up again, and they were gone. And then the third time, my my sister came to see me, and and Fred said, "Well, are they going to be visiting you here while you're in the hospital?" And uh, he said, "No, uh, they all died a long time ago." So his wow. interpretation was that these three people that had passed passed before had come because he was essentially dead when he arrested, and they were coming to take him back. And so I talked with Dr. Uh, Bohoffer about the occurrence, and, and he said this is not an uncommon thing to see in the emergency room. Our literature is full of stories like this, and when people are near death, uh, it's not uncommon that they will see uh, someone that has passed that uh, they think has come to, to take them back. Well, and that's weird because you would think, I mean, a lot of the stories that you see that were printed or prior, you know, that was on, like, TV shows and mm-hmm. stuff that were interviewed, they, mm-hmm. they all they saw white light and they, you mm-hmm. know, they saw, mm-hmm. you know, so hearing that um, they were seeing past loved ones, that's, that's kind of cool. And that's, yeah. Yeah. so that's what um, my aunt, um, she had cancer. She was dying of cancer and mm-hmm. she kept looking off and she kept saying, um, she was saying that her mother was there. And my grandmother was still alive at the time. Her sister was the one mm. passing and dying. 
And she's like, no, Birdie, no, she's not here with us right now. And she couldn't get my aunt to understand that she wasn't there. She was, she was, she was, was seeing, seeing her. my yeah. great, and she was seeing my great grandmother. And my, I told my grandma later, I said, no, Graham, she really did see her. Wow. Yeah. That's not All you guys on Facebook. Yeah. No. And, and the funny part is, is I've had, because um, I don't know if you understand. I, I actually am a psychic medium, Dr. Kobaba. Mm-hmm. And I, so I deal a lot with um, the dead. I, I see them on the other side, right? Um, so mm-hmm. when I have family members and stuff, they like to tell me the things that have happened. And so I had people, family members, that would tell me things that had happened while I was not around. Right. And they would tell me what um, they were saying as they well, were. That's, that's you know, the, yeah. I, I find this very fascinating. That, I and do. that's why his book is so mm-hmm. important to the paranormal field because – that gives us some more information. It's not just about the white light. It's also those mm-hmm. other things, this thing, past loved ones and so on and so forth. But you yeah. on Facebook, what I was going to say earlier, all you people on Facebook that are watching us right now, do me a favor and share this. Yeah, um, sure. Share this with your friends. And, um, share it right on your Facebook. That's yep, and if you put share it, we'll, we'll, we'll say hi again. <clears throat> we'll mention your name. We'll, we'll put your name in the box for a prize. <laughs> So. Yeah, sorry you didn't get to do that this week. It was, it was like I said, it was a little rough. Yeah, this we week, had a rough so. week, but we will have be having a drawing. We yeah. do have shirts to be giving away. Um, we will have books. Um, people okay. like Mungi are actually going to be donating yep. stuff. Um, yeah. Doc's going to give us a couple books, so we'll actually have a book yep. to read and a book that will give away to one of oh, our uh, lucky listeners. And awesome. um um, so this is this Thanks, is, Michelle. Michelle said she's done it twice now. Well, thank you, Michelle. Michelle Childers, that's cool. So mm-hmm. help us help help us share, help us get friends and make people aware of us. This is a very important show today, and I, I think this is an amazing do. subject. You know and, what? I do believe because you know what? I as, as selfish as humans are, I would like for everybody when they have somebody passing in their lives, I want them to tell them that it's okay to leave. Number one, right? Right. Um, but sharing. Information, well, uh, like Dr. Um, Kobaba's book, is amazing. Well, information like that is yeah, important, and we should is. all we should all be taking stuff like that. Especially is, coming from doctors. Well, yeah, right, because doctors are important. Yes, yes, but, Heidi, thank you. But it also lends credibility to what we do as paranormal Diane, investigators. Thank you. Yes, and and it is important. All of this information is Heidi very for important. Time. Now, Great job. Michelle, now we're talking about what these people see when they pass or when they're, you know, and then they're resuscitated and come back. Where is that Any, feedback coming from? What, feedback? what I, feedback? I could hear you someplace else besides you could? here. Is yours down? Yeah. Mine is down too. So is mine. I don't know. That was weird. That was weird. <laughs> Sorry. But anyways, um, Anything else? I mean, has any of, do you know of any story of the, you know, in the ER that these people said they've seen themselves outside their body, maybe, or anything like that? Well, you know, the, the, this uh, experience that, that Mary had with, with, uh, when she arrested was, was one of the experiences. And, and, and there are lots of other experiences that people that are, that are passing seem, seem to have, and, and they've related a number of things to the, to the uh, some of their docs, John Saran is a, a local doc uh, uh, in uh, internal medicine. Had a fellow who was dying of colon cancer, and he was at home. He was under hosp- hospice care, and he was very close to death. And uh, he was with his wife, and 
he uh, he said to his wife, "Do you see those girls in the living room?" And she said, "What girls?" And uh, mm-hmm. he he said, "There's three girls with white dresses who are dancing in in, in a, a circle, like Ring Around the Rosie kind of dancing, and uh, they're having a lot of fun, laughing and smiling." And she she picked up on that, you know. She she went along with her husband because she knew that that strange things happen at, when you're when you're close to death. And she said, "I I don't see them, but I I wonder if they're angels to come and take you back." And then he said to her, mm-hmm. uh, "When I when I go, uh, I'll take care of things on the other side. If you can take care care of things on the earth." And she said, "Okay, that's a that's a that's a great arrangement. We'll do that." He closed his eyes. And then he died. She's convinced wow. that those girls were angels to to take him back, to take him back to heaven. So that's, that's uh, uh, and, and there's a number of things like that. We had a number of stories like that where people, you know, people have seen things, now you're or heard things, or reached out. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you said you're going to be working on a secondary book. Is this more stories of the same deal uh, in the hospital uh, with people that arrest and stuff like that? It's it's another book uh, about doctors' experiences that are all over the place and and mostly not in the hospital. Interestingly, uh, and then uh, we're going to uh, see if we can come up with a book on uh, from nurses because nurses have tons of experiences like this, probably oh, more than yeah. doctors. Oh, so it's, yeah. yeah. I know of a, a, an incident. I, I know of an incident that happened. There was a, a gentleman that passed away in a restaurant. And mm-hmm. um ambulance came and uh, they were trying to resuscitate him and he, he had passed. Oh, wow. So they were about to give up and he came back. What? And when he came back, yeah. he was telling the people standing around him that there was people on the above the dance floor floating above the dance floor there was there was like mm-hmm. there were like angels there were people there before wow. and, and this is actually in a book um from the Rochester area it was from the old wrestler's roost there on henrietta, oh, henrietta yeah. road yeah that he had passed there but when they resuscitated him he came back and he said yeah there was people up in this like over the dance floor they weren't dancing they were just floating around that's amazing so, definitely i think that's angels yeah, there, there are lots of stories like that, I think, where people are near death or have died and they give up on them and all of a sudden they come back. So you can't explain those. Uh, none of the doctors that in, in my book had those experiences, but I've read about those also. They're very interesting. So, And, and I think there's a, there's a certain time when, when people, uh, you, you were mentioning before, they, they uh, hold on. Uh, till uh, a certain event comes on. So people, I think, can uh, dictate the, the date and time of their death because I've had many patients that have held on until a loved one comes back or there's a special anniversary that they're waiting for, and, and they tend to, to make it for those events. And then as soon as that event occurs, then they decide that they can go and they and they die. So that's not too unusual in the yeah, medical literature. Yeah, I've heard that too. That they, I, I had a um, a friend whose father waited. Um, they thought he was going to go at any time, but he he kept saying, "No, I can't go until John gets here. I can't go until John mm-hmm. gets here." And then when John mm-hmm. showed up, they talked for a minute, and then he went. But he held yeah, on until his brother got there. Yeah, we had yeah. an occurrence where there are two docs that were very close friends, uh, a gynecologist and a family practice doc. And the gynecologist, John Messett. 
used to help uh, Bob Cornell, who's a family practice doc, with some d- difficult deliveries. And uh, they used to meet in the doctor's lounge every morning, and they talk about the things that they love, which is their family. And, and Bob Cornell was particularly fond of fishing. He loved fishing. He could tell you what lure to use in every body of water in the United States and most, most foreign countries, I think. And so they would talk about fishing almost every morning. And one day, uh, Bob Cornell wasn't there, and uh, John Messett wondered where he was. And he discovered he had a massive stroke. He was in a deep coma in the uh, ICU, so we went right down to see him. And uh, he talked with the intensivist who was there taking care of him, and he said, he's basically brain dead. We're going to keep him uh, going on the ventilator for about three more days. And and after that, uh, if there's no recovery, we're just going to unplug him and and let him go. And so Messett, Dr. Messett, uh, realized what a close friend he'd become. You know, you never know uh, until someone's gone how much you appreciate them or how much you love them sometimes. And he he really appreciated Bob Cornell. So he didn't know what to do. You know, what do you do when a, when a close friend is in a deep coma, unconscious, can't see or hear anything, is basically almost brain dead? And so he didn't know what to do, so he decided to pull up his chair close to his face. He started to tell him stories. And everyone thought he was crazy. Here's John Messett, a reasonably conservative guy, telling a person who's essentially brain dead stories about fishing. And John Messett talked to him about a fishing event that he went to in Canada and the, and the uh, Mackenzie River near Great Slave Lake. They flew in and they caught so many graylings in this river that they could hardly uh, reel in, in, at the end of the day, hardly reel them in because their arms were so sore. It was a catch and release. And they must have caught 100 the first day, he said. And every day he would go into the ICU and, and go up close to Bob Cornell and tell him these stories about fishing. And everyone, again, his wife thought he was crazy. Why are you talking, you know, telling these stories? And John Messick just had a, felt a feeling that he needed to do something. And, he, and this was the only thing he could do is just tell Bob Cornell stories about things he loved. And at the third day when Bob Cornell was scheduled to, to die, basically, uh, John Messick walked into the ICU and he noticed that the room was empty. The lights were off. The bed was taken down. And he realized he had died. He went up to the nurse and he said, when, when did Bob Cornell pass? And the nurse laughed at him. And he was pretty offended by that. And, oh. he, uh, and, the, and the nurse said, he didn't die. He, was, he woke up yesterday and he's moved down to the step-down unit. He he's, uh, was fine. So by the time, um, by the time John Messick, he had gone down for physical therapy and other things. By the time John Messick caught up with him, he was back in the, a week or two later after being in some rehab. He was back in the physician's lounge. And uh, Bob Cornell said, uh, John, thank you for telling me those stories. And, and uh, he said, what, what do you mean? And he said, I, I, I love that story about the Grayling and, and the Mackenzie River and great, near Great Slave Lake and how you flew in and so forth. And he told him in great detail a story that had never been related to him before this this episode. So even though wow. he was this almost brain dead, Bob Cornell could actually hear it. He said, I look forward to your stories. Every time you'd come in, I look forward to that. Oh. And, you know, he was so close to death that, that John Messett was wondering, you know, when a person gets that close to stepping over the stream or wherever, you, you know, you've heard people say they're going to cross the river or cross the stream or whatever to, to the other side. You wonder if they make a conscious uh, effort to to stay, and it was uh, John Messick's mm-hmm. thought that you know maybe these stories, maybe hearing these stories and and giving him hope and encouragement, uh, may have just turned the turned the tide, and 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 Bob Cornell decided to stay rather than rather than leave, and so uh, he lived a good long time after that. Um, 
he never made it to the to the Great Slave Lake and the Mackenzie River to fish for graylings, uh, at least not in this life. And so uh, uh, John Messett was, you know, still is wondering, was it that that saved his life or or not? It's hard to say. So That's interesting, amazing. interesting, interesting that, things happen. Yeah, and, and you know what? I mean, the, I know that they've said, and you've seen it on TV and so on and so forth, where they say, you know, oh, he's brain dead, she's brain dead. Talk to her anyways. Mm-hmm. They can hear you. Right. You know, stuff like that. And, and that's that needs to be something that should be pushed more often with people. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, okay, yeah, they're in a coma, but it doesn't mean they can't hear you, so tell your stories. Try, I mean, maybe that would bring them out of that coma. And I, with stories like this, it makes you believe. Yeah. You know, it's a miracle. It's yeah. something that should be done. You know? And yeah. uh, I just think it's amazing. They're, they're great stories. I, uh, I actually have a story. Um, so you do? Stop <laughs> it, Cindy. What? So, okay. <laughs> My dad had open-heart surgery. Um, oh, my gosh, it was 10 years ago or more now. Okay. More than that, I'd say. Um, but my dad was this really laid-back kind of guy. He didn't really, like, except if he was working, like, on his car or something or doing something in the shop, he would then get very frustrated or something. But it was always, like, and when something went wrong and then, you know, he'd, curse or whatever and you would see temper but my dad really didn't have too much of a temper he was pretty even keeled guy okay so dad goes through open heart surgery and he always had had these hot hands all the time before surgery so after surgery my dad's hands weren't hot anymore not only that my dad's personality had changed and it was weird because he'd get angry you know, quicker, especially at himself. And my dad wasn't like that. And I actually learned something from spirit. They actually told me that the doctors who had been working on him, the people in that room, my, had transferred to my dad. Some of their energy had transferred to my dad. And it hmm. was, I understood it, that doctors, especially having that open organ, our heart, right, that actually mm-hmm. should be trained in Reiki or something like that because and keeping the people, especially in open heart situations, um, it's, it's different for other organs, I'm certain, but, right. but still the open heart part. Is, and that kind of relates to that whole thing where, yeah. you know, somebody gets an organ, uh, an organ donated to them where you hear yes. stories that they, they, they their personalities change there because of, of even where... Even being there, uh, or being recognizing themselves. people that they didn't know. Know before, yeah. Right. I mean, that, so that's, a, that's strange upon itself. Right, and so I firmly believe because of my dad's open heart surgery, like, doctors should maybe be trained in Reiki and have the have the rooms reiki Do you know? Have you heard mm-hmm. anything similar to what I experienced with my dad? Uh, you know, people can change their personalities after a, a major surgery like that. And I've I've seen that, uh, especially with open heart surgery. That's a that's a big surgery. You go on the bypass machine, and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've I've heard people, and I've seen people that have changed personalities after that. So, not sure the mechanism. Uh, There's a number of theories and thoughts about that, but, but no, I've, I've, I've seen that and, and witnessed that myself. Interesting. You know, mm-hmm. 
But what's amazing is, is we, we as paranormal investigators have this whole thought, and it's a belief system for us when we're trying to explain the unexplained, that the energy is what is left behind when someone passes, okay? Right. So It could be residual. It could be residual. Right. Um, so let's just, as theory goes, or just a, a thought, mm-hmm. let's just say that somebody was that died in the hospital, their energy was still wandering around the hospital, and then another surgery happened, it. and then, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just saying that another, another thing happens, and then somehow that energy got mixed in. Mm, you know how, like, right, an ingredient accidentally right. falls into a certain mixture? Oh, I can see I that. mean, I can't say that it's not impossible right. and, or possible. It's kind of, like, in the middle. But we, we all guess that the energy, they're, they're, when we die, the, our energy is not just gone. It, it releases itself back out mm-hmm. into the atmosphere, right. into the universe, into the land, into whatever. Energy is constant. It's continuous. It never goes away. Right. So that's what we're... To believe, mm-hmm. so I would believe then in that case that certain situations, especially when it's close to death, that influence of other energies are involved in our coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it sort of makes you know. I mean, it, it's got to be at least possible because you know sometimes. I mean, you can. Yeah. I've talked to people who said, "Hey, they they had passed." And their mother had passed prior, but when they came back out of it, they smelled their mother's perfume. Mm-hmm. Come to find the that's perfume a, that's was actually they were smelling. That, that's a theme that I, I recognized uh, a number of times with the doctor's stories. And there was there was one that I particularly love about uh, Steve Graham, who was an ER doc, who was taking care of a patient in the uh, uh, one of the bays in the emergency room who had abdominal pain. There wasn't anything serious, but he noticed on his arm he had a tattoo of a dime. And Steve Graham is a pretty nice uh, guy and didn't want to pry too much, but a curiosity got the best of him. He said, well, I see that that's a tattoo of a dime on your arm. What do you, what, what, uh, what's the significance of that, he said. And the fellow said to him, my, my son is a coin collector, and he collects lots of coins, but his favorite is a dime. And it's interesting that when my son would go to a special event with me, like a Cubs game here in Chicago or a special dinner out, he'd find a dime somewhere. Like he'd lift the plate up as, at the dinner table, there'd be a dime under the plate. Or he'd pull the seat down and there'd be a dime on the seat. And he said he started collecting those dimes that he found. And every time we'd go to a very, very special place, uh, he'd find a dime. And so he said my son was tragically hmm. killed a number of years ago on the expressway. And ever since then... I'm finding dimes, and I find dimes where my son, where I know my son would love to to uh, to have been. And he says, I think those dimes are from him, and that are letting me know that he's around and that he's looking out for me. And Steve Graham is, uh, you know, a nice guy, and and didn't think too much of the story. Didn't say that, you know, he's a very very pleasant guy and, and just listened to the story and, and took it in. But he really said it to me he couldn't he couldn't really buy into that or believe it. And so the fellow uh, uh, ended, up, ended up getting all the tests and, and uh, got some medication and left the emergency room. And Dr. Graham went back to the fellow, the, the boy's name was Robbie. And um, uh, the, the man told him that Robbie, uh, the, the dime he had on his ta- uh, arm, the tattoo, was so that Robbie would know that he knew that, uh, uh, he w- was, that Robbie was actually looking out for him. And so Dr. Graham pulled out the chair to dictate his, his note uh, from the uh, visit, and there was something shining on the floor. 
He looked down. It was a dime. <laughs> the, the funny thing about wow. that is, yeah, and, and, and that's kind of a, a story that, that um, there were a couple of stories like that, that that doctors had related to me. And the interesting thing about that is my wife is my editor. She's one of the editors. Yeah, and When you write a book, you have a bunch of editors, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And right. she was one of my <laughs> first editors. And uh, I, I showed her the story, and she loved the story, and I did too. My official editor didn't like it so much, but I loved it. And so my wife read the story for the first time and thought it was great and put it down. She walks into the other room, and there on the counter, a dime. <laughs> wow. Awesome. I think, so I don't – go ahead. Sorry. No, that's, that's good. We've been finding dimes ever since. It's It's crazy, so – Interesting. All I can think of is pennies from heaven. Well, so that's what I was just going to say. So, stay out of my head. Oh, my God. You stay out of mine. I, I was going to start talking it. about it. So Danny Kay was in Danny Kay. Oh, my God. Was Love Danny Kay. Me too. Love Danny Kay. He was an actor. Um, and comedian. He, he actor, did comedian. A, yep. he, did the, he did the movie, Pennies from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven. And so I always had this. So after my grandma passed away in 2009, July 22nd, actually, I started getting dimes all over the place and you know the whole scene in ghost where he's uh, doing the penny, the penny up the, yep. I, it was just always pennies from heaven mm-hmm. going back to the old movie which i had seen and loved mm-hmm. um so i always expected pennies well, i keep seeing dimes and dimes and i'm like what the heck is going on and so my grandma finally says inflation <laughs> I'm like, well, the hundreds. I have gotten the hundreds. Yet. Oh, oh <laughs> Heidi Harrington just posted here. She's my mother leaves me and my twin pennies. Yes, I love that, Heidi. So, and that's... John Chula asked, um, kind of like reincarnation, and I think we were talking about. What were we talking about? Well, that was kind of like the energy being involved in our, you know, coming back from, you know, um, being resuscitated and coming back, the energy floating around maybe from someone else that had passed. Well, that, that, that wouldn't be reincarnation. It wouldn't be reincarnation, then. no. Right, no. Um, it would be more of a mixture of, of energies. It would be a mixture yeah. of energies. So, like yeah. Like a new little processed person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something sort of like that. Okay, so – it's now nine o'clock, and what we need to talk here about is we need to. If you have any questions for for the doc, we're gonna we're gonna let you call in at three two three six four two one one zero two. This next hour, we're gonna be we're gonna continue talking with him, but you now have the option of calling in and asking a question. Again, the number is three two three six four two one one zero two, and then you can ask questions for him. Thank you for the hearts and the thumbs up. That means Yay. a lot. That's good. So on Facebook, thank you so much. Yes. And then um, shortly here we'll have um, weird and paranormal news. There's some really cool stuff there this week. Yes, there was. And um, I know you've been watching the Facebook post. With all, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was some really, really weird stuff on there. So, and uh, you guys will be able to uh, and listen we to us talk about paranormal doing news. Doing sponsor too. commercials. Yeah, when when John, John? Says, John is John. John our, Sounds guy, John. Is, is out. Um, <laughs> hey, Adam. Got to run and put kids to bed. Have a good hey, night, Teddy, Cindy. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Thank you. Adam. He came in and saw me at work a couple well, a couple weeks ago. Okay. I haven't seen Adam in a long time, so. Um, but nice. it was so nice of you. And um, <clears throat> Very nice. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to say real quick that uh, Doc's book, your book is available on Amazon. Is it available yeah. anywhere else, Doc? 
Uh, it's available through uh, uh, the uh, mail services for uh, Barnes and Noble and a few sources like that. But the main the main one is Amazon. Perfect. Cool. Well, cool. we can try and put a link up to it later as well. Yeah. Probably. Well, when we when we do all that, um, we'll we'll put a link of that up. And in fact, on the video that goes to YouTube, I'll actually get a screenshot of the book and we'll put it up there. And then with the with the information too, awesome. so that way he perfect. It stays connected to the, you know. So mm-hmm. do me a favor. Is John back there? Do you know where he is? He. Oh. Well, Can you go out and just, in just sitting in that van for us and if he would come in? Tell him to get his booty in here. He's probably just staying warm. <laughs> yeah, leaves <laughs> us in the gonna cold. We're going to go sit in the van and do, our, do it right from my, put the setup on the <laughs> dashboard. Wouldn't that be hysterical? We'll just sit in my front seat. That would be funny. And That'd we'll have funny. the heat cranking. Well, you know, that's kind of a great <laughs> idea. Let's take our, go, take our, oh gosh, take our radio should. show and our um, guests the on the road. Oh. In the yes. back of a van. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, my gosh. That would be hysterical. And just go to haunted places and interview people that were in haunted places or yeah. scary houses. That so, would be kind of So on the road, Paratalk Radio on the road would be a very cool idea. I like it. I like it. So listen. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the kids don't the, like it. The kids, the peanut gallery, that was Jansen. Right, right. Yeah. So, so all I, right. I do want to say this really quick. Okay. So you all have to remind me later. Just remind me cemetery. Okay. okay. After the show. Okay. okay. I can do that. So I think I got a good idea. Okay, good. So um, we're going to take a quick commercial break and commercial. come back with the Weird and Paranormal News. And, Doc, you can, you can jump in at any time when the okay. news is happening and, and state your opinion or Absolutely. laugh or whatever. We, we, we encourage our guests to do mm-hmm. that. And um, so we'll be back in, um, I don't know, a minute or so. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Bye, John. Since 1948, Fate Magazine is kept. Activated you with their true reports of the strange and unknown. But things just got better. Join host Todd Bates Sunday night, 6, 5 central for Fate Radio. We bring you the best interviews, stories, and most of all, bring these true reports of the strange and unknown to life. Fate Radio with Todd Bates Sunday night, 6, 5 central at FateMagRadio.com. Digital Ink Art is a local company that specializes in screen printing, heat transfers, logos, vehicle graphics, and stickers. They are located in Albion, New York, between Rochester and Buffalo, and they make it real easy for anyone to get their brand printed. The website, digitalinkarts.com, is undergoing a new look, but you can still contact them on Facebook or by calling 585-200-2400. So don't forget, digitalinkarts.com. All right, so we're back after our commercials, and now it's going to be time for Paranormal News. That was cold, putting it in my ear. Oh, there's our, no- there's our noise. So we're going to discuss the Paranormal News that we've been posting on our... On our, our what are you laughing for? <laughs> I don't know. I thought John oh, I, was laughing. Oh, I was laughing at Mary because Mary said, don't let me drive. Mary, you're... Funny as fuck. Did you did you <laughs> did you see did you see I, I posted on our website this this hey, really Eric. doesn't have anything to do with paranormal news but I posted on there it said the thought for the day mm-hmm. did you read that yep. it says ten fun facts one you can see your ears without a, you, you can't see your ears without a mirror mm-hmm. two you can't count your hair <laughs> three 
Unless it's in the drain. Three, <laughs> you can't breathe through your nose with your tongue out. You can't breathe through your nose with that. Right. Okay. You can't. I just yeah. did it. <laughs> but you have to close your mouth. Number four, you just tried number three. <laughs> I totally did. When you did number three, you realized that it is possible only you look like a dog. <laughs> Um, and then also the number seven, you are smiling right now because you were fooled. Eight, you <laughs> skipped number five. Nine, you just checked to see if there is no number, or there is a number five, but there isn't a number five. I never said five. <laughs> and then it says ten, share this with your friends. Anyways, That's I just funny. thought it was cute. So. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. So um, as paranormal knows, news goes, paranormal knows. I have a paranormal nose. You have a paranormal nose? It's a cold nose. So, <laughs> Would you like to feel it? No, it's probably cold. <laughs> it is cold. Hey, Doc, isn't that what they say, that when you got a cold nose, you're healthy? Oh, wait a minute. That's the dog. Puppies. That's, puppies. that's the dog. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> cold, nose, cold nose, warm heart? <laughs> There's something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do have the cold hands, warm heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first thing that we're going to talk about, it says, Windsor Bomb Squad called in after ghost hunting device forgotten at Cultural Center. What? So the Windsor Bomb, Winter Bomb Squad um, showed up. It, it turns out a small black box with a dangling red wire and a blue light and, and blue light investigated by Windsor Bomb Squad Tuesday isn't actually dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> at least to the living. And so the Windsor Police Explosives Disposal Unit were called to Mackenzie Hall after 7.15 p.m. to investigate a suspicious package. Police ah. determined the package was safe, that there was no evidence of explosive material. And if you look at it, it's a static pod. Oh, God, that's hysterical. <laughs> oh, yeah. He says, uh, the so spokesman funny. said he didn't realize that it was an EMF detector, short for electromagnetic field sensor. So, yeah, that was the first one. So I, I think that's funny that somebody called the bomb squad on a, on something like that. I love it. That's, that's I love it. Funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that, in fact, Cookie Stringfellow, who's the UFOologist, uh, she does the UFO stuff and as well as Paranormal uh, Rochester. Right. I posted this. It said, scientists found. Now, this is right up Doc's alley. Yeah, I know. I was, right thinking, I was hoping you were going to put this one on. It's the scientists found that the soul doesn't die. It goes back to the universe. And it says, it turns out that the human brain could be similar to a biological computer and that human consciousness may be like a program which is run by a quantum computer within the brain. What's even more astonishing is that after someone dies, their soul comes back to the universe and does not die. According to the American physicist, Dr. Stuart Hameroff, where did he come up with these last names? Their mothers uh, probably. or fathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Dr. Hameroff and a mathematical physician, Sir Roger Penrose, both of whom argue that the soul is maintained in micro... What is it? Micro... I can't even say this word. Microtubules of brain cells. The two scientists refer to the process as orchestrated objective reduction or ORCHR. 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 Okay. Isn't it OR? Yeah, so allegedly when human beings are simply dead, the microtubules tubules in the in the brain lose their quantum state but are still able to retain information inside of them. Now, we also found out from was it last week that when the brain dies, it still 
lives for what was it? It said like 10 minutes after. 10 minutes after yeah. the body dies, the brain is still alive. So, so is that going. true, Doc? Are you aware? You become brain dead after. There's a certain finite period of time, and, and I think I've heard seven minutes, 10 minutes, but it's not very long. And then, mm-hmm. then, you, then you have irreversible oh. brain damage, and the brain dies. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, and the last story I've, I have for us. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got a story for you when you're done uh, about um, okay. you know uh, com- coming back from the from the dead and and um, uh, you know spirits and things like that. There's a couple of stories from the docs we'll that were pretty that interesting. Paranormal news. Yeah, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll add that to the, the end of the paranormal news okay. side, doc. Sounds so give good. us just a second. We'll go sure. on this one here. It says how 1,600 people went missing from our public lands without a trace. What? I didn't see this one yet. Yep. When 18-year-old Joe Keller vanished from a dude ranch in Colorado's Rio Grande National Forest, he, he joined the ranks of those missing ranchers. on public land. No official tally exists, but their numbers are growing. And when an initial search turns up nothing, we'll keep looking. Hmm. This is July 23, 2015, was the eve of Joseph Lloyd Keller's 19th birthday from Cleveland, Tennessee native and has been spending the summer between his freshman and sophomore years at the Cleveland State Community College on a western road trip from buddies Colin with his buddies Colin and Christian and they were in um Colin Subaru the boys had were last seen in Las Vegas San Francisco and then went to the Grand Canyon before heading to Joe's aunt's and uncle's dude ranch in the Rainbow Trout Ranch in, in San Juan Mountains in the southwest Colorado it says here that the ranch is bigger than Rhode Island, 8,000 residents, so on and so forth, sheep wow. raising, the whole whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, let me get back where I was. It, it's also a have a place to get lost. While its eastern plains stretch across the agricultural San Luis Valley, its western third rises into the 1.8 million acres of the Rio Grande National Forest. Okay, mm-hmm. so think of how big that is, Gosh. which sprawls over part of nine counties. Go missing out here and your fate re- relies on, on nothing. They said that you get lost out here, you're done for, because people, they disappear all the time. And there's a map on here. It shows where people went in and never came back. Oh, my God. You know what I just saw? You just- I literally just saw a, um, oh, God, what do they call that? Um, a vortex, maybe? But it's not a vortex. It's like. A can, can, passageway to another place or another time, like the Bermuda Triangle, more or less, a place where you can get in and get lost and to mm. another time period, and right. like a portal type thing. A portal. Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I'm sorry. It flew out of my head. Okay. Um. Anyway, so this person, this kid, has been missing for several years now. He was he was a track runner. He was um, mm-hmm. healthy, athletic. Right. Um. It says here in big quotations, the search engaged about 15 dogs and 200 people on foot, horseback and ATVs, and infrared equipment. Airplane flew over the area. It was a $10,000 reward and still nothing. Nothing. Um, But it's not uncommon. They're saying that hundreds and maybe even thousands of people have gone into areas such as this and have never come back. I literally saw that. As you were talking, I literally saw that kid walk. It looks like it is just the forest. Like you would look like, oh, there's a nice, cool trail. Let me go in it. And as soon as he stepped through that one side, 
he wasn't in the same place anymore. Mm. And so see, he, they wouldn't be able to see him. And see, this even is something really was there. When when I when I saw this story, the first thing that I thought of there was a movie that came out a while back. Um, it was about it, basically the same thing. It was a big national forest, mm-hmm. um, and it was about the uh, remaining Indians living out there, and really? they never, they didn't move up with us. They didn't advance, so they stayed that way back there. And these criminals got lost back there, and they started shooting people, so the Indians killed them, and their remains were never found and stuff like that. But that oh. was just a story, right? You know. But think about it: if there's acreage like 1.8 million acres of land, right? Oh, you know what else? I just thought Bigfoot. Bigfoot ate him. It was his dinner. Yep, Bigfoot's got him. He made him their servant. He made, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kid. Yep, so, all right, so we're going to add Doc's story to the yes. paranormal news. Oh, what yes. you got, Doc? Well, there's a story about uh, a grandma that uh, came back. She um, came back to save a, um, uh, came back into the room to save one of the, uh, Doctor's wives that I, that I know quite well, Jack, Jack Heisler, uh, is a good friend of mine, and, and he delivered two of our kids. His wife was delivering their uh, fifth child. He had, I think, five, uh, eight children total. And the fifth child uh, delivery went really well, and, and the grandma Hannah was a midwife. And despite two gynecologists in the room, she came uh, into the room and uh, literally saved Joan's life. And the story is that Grandma Hanlon came from Ireland and became a midwife in Chicago, was very successful, was kind of the spiritual leader of the family. And when she got older, she uh, couldn't uh, you know, do midwifery anymore. And, and so she lived with Joan, who was a little girl at the time, and, and her mother. And Joan would say that if she could make it back to Grandma Hanlon's lap, uh, she would, when she got in trouble with her mom, she would uh, be safe. And so they, they formed a really loving uh, relationship, uh, incredible uh, love existed between Joan and, and her grandma Hanlon. So when when Joan was was uh, delivering her baby, and the baby uh, came out okay, everything was fine. But afterwards, she started, started to experience a lot of pain after they did some of the procedures they needed to do to to check the uterus and so forth. So uh, they, she asked for some pain medication. In those times, uh, they used a drug called Trilene, which is uh, administered by a mask. You put the mask over the woman's face and and uh, the uh, anesthetic causes them to fall into a deep sleep, and, and then they can do the procedures and whatever. So uh, as they're ready to put the mask over Joan's face, uh, Grandma Hammond steps into the room, dressed in her usual dress with the polka dots and the white sweater vest and the white hair up in a bun, and she stood at the foot of the bed, and she shook her head at, at Joan not to, uh, not to take the trilene. And so Joan didn't understand why, but she pushed it away and, and decided to put up with the pain without the anesthetic. And uh, no one realized then that Joan had eaten a large meal just before the uh, delivery. And about a minute after she pushed the trilene away, which would have put put her into a very deep sleep, she vomited the entire meal that she had before. Had she had the mask on and been unconscious, she could have aspirated and died. So uh, uh, Joan's interpretation of this was that she made it back to Grandma Hanlon's lap one last time, their love, their great love, uh, having transcended all time and eternity because Grandma Hanlon had died 22 years before this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I just wow. got the goosebumps, the, ch- the chills, the truth wow. has been spoken. That's amazing. Wow. That's an amazing God story. That's amazing. That is amazing. So you got to tell Dr. Yeah. News. Okay, so 
Dr. Baba, we have Darlene Morehouse, who said she just went on to Amazon to purchase your book. Fantastic. Thanks, Darlene. Yeah, Darlene, great job. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, don't forget that if you guys want to ask Dr. Kobaba a question, please, it's 323-642-1102. You don't have to be afraid of being on the radio. You're on a phone. Think about it that way. You're not under the scrutiny of light. That's right. You don't have to worry about that. So if you want to call in and ask the doc a question, feel free. The only one we won't allow to call in right now to ask doc a question is Munji. Munji's not allowed to call. Not right now. (laughs) (laughs) What did you want? Um, So, no, I just want everybody to know Ted is not drinking a Heineken. Oh, no, I'm drinking. It's an Arizona sweet tea. Arizona sweet tea, yes. Sweet tea is disgusting, people. I love sweet tea. Listen, I'm sure the doc will agree with me. Sweet tea is not good for you, honey. (laughs) It's each to to each his own. To each his own. Hey, doc, it was 99 cents. Broke. So that you know, that, that, that tell you? Listen, nobody say that again. Do not say you're broke ever again. That that puts oh. things out to the universe that you don't want to yeah, be truthful. Yeah, I know. I'm not broke. That's uh, right. I'm rich with friends. Rich with money in your pocket too. Oh, is that the way it is? Rich with money in my pocket. I have money right now. Do down. I have? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we anyways, yes, please. If you've got a question you don't want to call in, then at least type it on one of the uh, message boards that we have. We have uh, blog talk message chat going up. We that's on. We also mm-hmm. have the Facebook chat. We have the Mixler chat. So feel free. Um, please call us <laughs> if you want to ask a question. Do it. So don't be scared. Yeah, don't be scared. So Doc, I gotta ask a question. When I uh, I, mm-hmm. I I became an T for New York State um, years ago. And um, how many what? It was a long time ago. (laughs) But um, I remember um, in school, I actually wanted to be a doctor at one point. I wanted to be a psychologist. And um, I just love psychology. There's a lot of stuff I love about it. Me too. That was my major. um, We actually got to go to a morgue. (gasps) I love it. And we were in it. And I just, I don't know if you've heard these stories before, but. So here's a classroom of people, probably about 30 students, and we're in a morgue. Mm-hmm. And they had bodies. There were three bodies on tables. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, that's cool. Yeah. And, of course, a morgue, first off, you get that feeling. You know what I mean? So you're <laughs> already kind of, down. yeah, the chill whole thing. So, so you're already like, if somebody pops out of one of those, like, drawers or something, I'm going to scream and <laughs> I'm gonna poop pee my myself. pants. Yeah. <laughs> so... The 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 doctor there and the nurse they were telling us you know kind of explaining what happens with embalming and and you know everything sure. that's going on the mm-hmm. autopsy stuff yeah and they said it's not uncommon for a body at times to set up or blah 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 and while they're telling the story I'm like okay one of these bodies is going to set up you know it's going to just come right up and they said twitching happens stuff like that and stop it so we're going along we're like. 40 minutes into this, and I'm leaning against the table and didn't realize that where I was. Now, <laughs> uh-huh. comedy relief. The body sat up. Dude. <laughs> I shit my pants. I, mean, I was so scared. Holy and everybody, cat, everybody was flipping out. And, and then afterwards, you laugh. And, and then I, you know, the doctor was like, calm down, calm down. And then they told us it was because of the gas and the fluids, or the fluid, the gas built up from the fluids and all that stuff. Leaning, sure. leaving the body, mm-hmm. and yeah. I was like, 
uh, they really brought us down here for this, and it had to happen to me. Why me? <laughs> I would have been like, excuse me, raising my hand. Um, doctor, I have to go to the bathroom and clean myself up now. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I just a, that's unusual. That we that's... we don't we don't tend to see that that often. But uh, I'll never forget when I first got into medical school. You know, you you take your anatomy course, and anatomy in anatomy. I was at the University of Illinois, and you know, I I I saw. I've you know before I started medical school I maybe saw one or two dead bodies in, in you know in funeral homes in in my life, and so we're standing outside the doors uh, to the to the anatomy dissection room, and there are so 300 kids 300 classmates in our in our class, and so there was a body for I think each uh, six class uh, participants had a, a a body of their own. So we're waiting to go in, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, I hope I don't pass out, I hope I don't throw up, because there's a whole room oh. of bodies that we're going to go into, and so the yeah. doors opened yeah. up, everyone filed in, and I'm thinking I can't, I'll, I'll be so embarrassed if I pass out or throw up, you know, I can't do it, I can't do it, and after you get in there, I... uh, it it's it's pretty, it becomes pretty routine, and I didn't throw up, I didn't pass out. Uh, I did pretty well, and and you get used to you know seeing uh, the the fascinating stuff that that the human body is 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 made made of, and the way it all works, and um, so it, it became very very interesting and, and fascinating to me, and it wasn't creepy at all, but uh, you know when you first do yeah. when you first go in there like you did for the first time in the morgue, you're you're a little bit on edge, <laughs> you're not quite sure what to yeah, think about this whole thing. You are. You're, you're- all you, all you can think about is the worst things that can happen to you in there. I mean, I, I, you mean we were we were we were prepped for this. They told us things could happen, and you know the, the, did I ever tell you about the story, uh, Cindy? That they well, one of the other things they told us is not uncommon that a man a man could get a erection. Woody an erection, and <laughs> yeah, and all, so you know all this stuff. So I'm. You know, I'm ready for anything, and then when I actually get there, I'm not ready for anything. I'm like, no, 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 no. But then, you know, several years later, I became an EMT, and I was riding on the ambulance, and I was a medic, and I was seeing things that I had never seen before. I was dealing with situations I've never been put in before, and it makes you a different person. It really that. does. I really believe I think that. it does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you realize they, how special people are. It toughens you up a little bit. It toughens you up a little yes, bit. Yes, it does. It does toughen yeah. you up a little bit. And I, yeah. I, I have um, uh, um, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Me too. So I have medication that I'm on for it. So when I get, and I found out this when I was real young. And um, I actually thought I could hear my heartbeat. I could hear all this stuff when I was sleeping. And I actually thought I was dying of a heart attack and stuff. I mean, all that was going through my head. Believe it or not, being an uh, uh, EMT and working on animals actually helped me. Really? Uh, It put me at rest seeing certain things. And then um, being able to, you know, uh, I don't know, it just toughened me up a little bit, you know, and I was able to see things. In fact, I, I know it has nothing to do with the paranormal, and I don't want to waste anybody's time, but I have to tell you that we went on one of the most, severe accidents that I've ever seen or heard in my life. And this woman was actually struck by a car and she was embedded in the grill of the car. Oh my gosh. She was hit at a, a high speed. And 
uh, not to gross anybody out, but she looked like hamburger. There wasn't much left to her. Mm-hmm. And they found a pulse. So we had to work on her. That's and I could not stop, amazing. but yeah, I could not stop looking at, you know, we're doing all this work and, you know, here, I mean, there's blood, there's no arms, there's no legs, there's no, you know, and, and I'm kind of like, you know, trying to process everything. And then once you process. start in New York State, once you start to that, you can't stop until you get to the hospital and they say they're gone. So Correct. we had to work on this lady all the way to the hospital. Right, right, right. So, and... um we got done, and we went back to the ambulance base, and they had to put us in a debriefing so that we got Absolutely. down from that situation. Correct. I've never been to one, so I didn't know. And mm-hmm. I got – and it's not a funny story or whatever, but everybody deals with trauma their own way. Absolutely. And because I'm not a small boy – You're not? No. Um, I ordered a pizza. Oh, my God. <laughs> And during the debriefing, I ate a pizza the whole time that they were doing the debriefing. Oh and people were they? actually getting sick. They were telling me they couldn't handle me being in there with pizza. They actually made me sit outside. Oh, my and God. And had me debrief individually because I was eating pizza. It was my way of dealing with it. Right, right. You know, but. It reminds me of a, it, a situation that we had in the ER where uh, one of the. One of the um, Patients had a surgery the day before to attach an artery to a vein. Now, arteries are high-pressure systems that will that's a, basically a pumper, you know, and then the vein is, is a low-pressure system, and this is for dialysis, for, re, for renal dialysis. And what happened uh, this particular day was the, the stitch came out so that the artery and the vein separated, so the artery started pumping blood out into the, into the room where the guy was, was, was waiting. And um, uh, you know, within minutes, he became unconscious. He lost so much blood. His wife called the ambulance, the paramedics, and they came, took him to the uh, ER, uh, where Robin Ross, who's the ER doc, was, was waiting for him. And evidently, he looked like a ghost. The, the, uh, C, the, they were doing CPR. There was, there was a paramedic straddling over his chest doing CPR. Somebody was holding his wrist to keep the blood from spurting all over the place, and he, he looked just you know, white as a ghost. And they had to decide: yeah. should we go ahead and, and you know do resuscitate him, or should we just let him go? Because he'd been uh, this way for probably 10 or 15 minutes. <clears throat> and they, they decided, Dr. Moraz decided, because she'd had experience with this before, where the person actually came back, that she would go ahead. So they had six units of blood that they squeezed the bags in as quickly as they could into large bore IVs, and they were doing CPR the whole time. They um, uh, closed up the the, the leaky. Uh, artery in the, in the vein, and uh, after a number of hours, uh, he actually woke up. And the interesting thing he said to Dr. Moraz, uh, he said, uh, uh, "Could you could you bring me back to that room where they're playing the beautiful music?" And Dr. Moraz said to him, "We don't play music in the ER." He said, "I heard a beautiful uh, some beautiful music that was like un- nothing I've ever heard before. I heard some instruments that I've never never heard in my life." It was the most beautiful music I've ever heard. Can't you bring me back to that room? And she said, they both, the, the Cindy, who was a nurse working on them at the time, and, and Dr. Mraz looked at each other, and, and they said, you know, this guy wasn't here. He was somewhere else. And he was basically dead when yeah. he came into the ER. And their conclusion was that uh, he, he was somewhere else where he was hearing that music and not in the ER. So it wow. reminded me of that one. Wow. Yeah. 
See, it's amazing the stories. Now, I just got to answer Helen real quick because she asked me how did I, un- how do I unsee stuff like that? And and you don't. You don't. You, don't. you no. just put it in the back of your mind. And uh, is he a monkey? He's a monkey. <laughs> He's a monkey. Yeah, my son is literally jumping around. Jumping around. But um, <laughs> yeah, so stuff like that, you just you deal with it the best way you can. Yeah. You know, um, my best friend is a fireman, and he's seen um, a bus full of kids that were in a real tragedy. Oh, I mean, so that that that's traumatic on you as an adult. My you know, my so. brother works with the ambulance. He's been a he's been with the fire department, the volunteer fire department here in Ontario since mm-hmm. he was a what do they call that? A um, junior. It, he was a junior, but they call it something. I can't think of it. Eluding me right at the moment. John, what do they call the young? Explorer, fire explorer. Yes, explorer. Thank you, Dad. Um, yeah, so my brother was an explorer from the age of 14, and here in Ontario, we had a big, huge explosion, um, which the gas um, it exploded in the in town here, right okay. at the four corners, and or up here, wherever it is, and it literally blew the. My brother had ridden his bicycle up, and he was there because there had been people that had died. Right. Um, right. It was a natural gas leak and it just exploded. So that was one of them starting at 14. And my brother is now 41. And that's, but over time, I mean, working in situations yeah. like that, you learn to deal. Oh my gosh. Yes. My, yes. my Right no. here on 104, my brother, and I'm looking at my brother as he's talking calmly about, an older woman and her husband and the woman had been decapitated by a semi. And I said, how, how are you talking to me like this? How are you not scarred? He's like, you basically kind of have to turn something off a little bit. If you have to just, it's, it's, it's turning it off. So it doesn't hit, here in the heart area. Well, I think if you're trained as a doctor, and you can jump in here anytime, Doc, and when you're trained in the medical field, you have to have a certain um, threshold. You have to be able to deal with certain things. And that's why doctors are so important, because they can handle... handle, Yes, well, those people in those fields, well, EMTs, police, all of them, they're, they're trained to handle situations that the general public is not able to handle. And um, I think it's amazing when people can get into these situations and live through it and, and tell their story. And um, just like the stories that he brought us tonight in his book, I mean, these are amazing yeah. stories. Amazing. And everybody has the capability of uh, living through trauma. That's true. It's just finding a way to do it. Yeah. But we're built it's interesting that to laugh. As docs, <laughs> not we, a have, t- we have not to afford and we have to be on both sides. We have to be compassionate. On the other hand, we have to be a little right. hard, too, to, to take some of these uh, yeah. terrible, terrible problems that we see. Uh, so it's it's hard. It's hard to, to, to be both. It's hard to be very compassionate and, and loving and, and uh, uh, understanding. And then, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a terminal situation, to, to not let it ruin your life or ruin your day or... Uh, we had a guy that came in uh, about two months ago, one of my good friends. You know, you, you get to know your patients really, really well, and uh, this is a, one of my favorites. He had a little abdominal pain, and and um, turns out he had metastatic pancreatic cancer. So it's a death sentence. Oh, he, he has about yeah. three or four months to live with that. 
So, you know, how do you how do you maintain your compassion and still be hard enough to uh, go on with your life and see the next patient who has a sore throat or uh, <laughs> diarrhea or something else, and then go home to your family? Is a it's it's a it's a tough balance, and sometimes you you don't balance it. Sometimes you take those things home with you, and you feel terrible, and sometimes you cry yeah. when you when you run into a situation where a person that you really have liked uh, and loved as a patient uh, ends up with something uh, disastrous like that. Yeah, I'm yeah. one of those people that I have a hard time with, <clears throat> not with death. Mm-hmm. But with going to the doctors, I'm one of these people that have that. I'm afraid to hear the news. You know what I mean? Get your ass to the doctor. I know, I know. But I'm just, I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can deal with death, but I, I can't deal with the rest of it. It's uncomfortable. But I deal with it anyway. It's like going to the dentist. I love going to the dentist. The dentist doesn't scare I, me whatsoever. Me <laughs> and, you know, I actually have a high intolerance. So I don't even get the shots. He just pulls the tooth if it's bad. And yeah, and the, and like, yeah, he's like, you sure you don't want anything? I'm like, no, yank it, you know, so <laughs> just, do it, <laughs> just do it, doc. But, you know, I was raised in a, in a strong Irish family that the Thanksgiving dinner, we stabbed each other with forks. I mean, oh so, <laughs> that's where the pain, the pain not, town came from. So nobody go to I live if he invites you to Thanksgiving no, dinner. I live. <laughs> but um, but things like that happen. I mean, when it's, on a serious note, when someone passes and um, they're able to come back and tell their story, as we are as paranormal investigators, that's a piece of the puzzle for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need the stories like what Doc is telling in his books. Yeah, I agree. We need those stories. And uh, I'm going to keep pushing his book. We're going to definitely put uh, you know some information out there on it. And mm-hmm. um Keep it going. I, guys, no questions. I'm really bummed about this. There's no questions. Well, Darlene did, did say what a great story, Dr. Kolbaba. Some things just can't be explained by science, and I love hearing doctors admitting this. I have yeah. to say I agree with her. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm so thankful, Dr. Kolbaba, that you have written the book and the second one that's coming, too. And I think, too, that with, with stories like this, now that the paranormal or the unknown is becoming more acceptable right, through, right, the civil, right. through civilization, that stories such as what he's telling are being accepted more. Well, I agree. And I think, but it gives it more credence coming from a doctor, right? Sure, sure. I, think that that's that's hugely important because how many how many doctors have i said so have you gotten any really good stories they're like no yeah. and i'm like oh god come on <laughs> what, come were gonna, on. what were you yeah, gonna say doc? doctors won't doctors most doctors won't admit to this and i i really wondered why i had so many doctors that were able to tell me these stories and actually put their names uh on the on the stories we had all all but one doctor that put his name on on the story and uh, i i wow. think there was a i think the reason yeah was because these doctors recognize that these stories give people hope, that there's something else out right. there, that love is a powerful force in the universe, that there's something higher than, than us. And uh, I think right. they, most doctors are what I call sappy do-gooders. They want to do some good in the world every day. They want to help someone out. And I think they recognize that these stories provided some hope and, and uh, uh uh, so that if you've had a major illness, if you lost someone uh, recently, a mother or father or someone special, that uh, you, they realize that, that you will see them again, that uh, they do look out for us in, in strange and wonderful ways uh, that we don't always understand. And so that's where I think their I hope was. I love that perfect 
Because there's people out there that go, oh, when you die, you die. There's no there's, blah, blah, blah. You're going to ground and, and you, the worms eat you. Yeah, and that's it. When you die, you <laughs> die. But reading a book like what Doc has and, and hearing these stories will hopefully touch them enough to say, well, maybe there is something else. Mm. And that's, that's the whole thing about the paranormal field. I mean, we all look at much in a much wider scope than right, the average right, person. Right, right, right. I agree with that. You know, and we have to. Yes. You know, and as science goes, sure, we're still in a uh, mm-hmm. pseudoscience field because they say we can't do this, we can't do that, whatever. Whatever. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Without the people like us, and I'm going to toot our horn, <laughs> but without people like us, <laughs> which there has been plenty before us, mm-hmm. there was very famous people before us that had did research in areas that they considered taboo. Mm-hmm. And because they did that, we have gotten some great advancements in our history and our civilization. So right. we shouldn't give up what we're doing, and we should keep pushing forward. Because you know, keep we could, we could be the next. Baby. We could be the next. Um, I'm trying to think of a name. Uh, um, Columbus for discovering a, a something. We could be the next Graham Bell. We could be the next That's Benjamin right. Franklin. We could be the next. Mm-hmm. Well, Albert think- Einstein, he believed in ghosts. In mathematics, he believed that they could exist. Well, come on. Isn't it the theory of relativity that says that <laughs> you cannot stop the momentum of energy? Is, am I right? Am, no, John's shaking his head. Come on. Which one is it? It's not relativity? Uh, he's, playing his, he's playing his game. <laughs> John, stop playing your gosh darn game. He's playing what? His dragons. Tanks? His dragons oh, are killing dragons, things. Dragons. Dragons. T- tanks for Ted. Um, dragons for John in Farmville, too, Mine, for me. Mine is war <laughs> machines. Get it right. Okay, war, war machines. machines. Sorry. All right. All right. So, anyways, we do have a question for you, Doc. Yes, Eric. I'm talking about conservation of energy. No. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, that I'm not. Law that you described was no, because it says. I think is is it not the theory of relativity? What's the theory of relativity? Look it up. All right, hang on. You do that while I ask the question. Theory of relativity. How's <laughs> that looking it up? You just told the computer to. All okay. right. Anyways, Eric Harrison says, Doctor Co- Kobaba. No, it's not theory of relativity. Have you had an experience that someone experienced something bad and came back to tell it? You know, that's a good question because. Uh, there were no doctors that uh, reported uh, anything related to death or dying or dreams or anything like that that was that was bad, and that's very interesting. And I asked one of the um, uh, palliative care doctors who deals with uh, people that are that are dying and and in very serious medical conditions all the time, and I said when people I, I asked uh, this this uh, palliative care doctor if anyone that they've dealt with has had an awful or bad experience uh, when, they're, when they're dying. And um, almost universally, uh, she said no. Uh, it's very interesting that people uh, that are in their last on their deathbed frequently will have very positive experiences and uh, very comforting experiences, and nothing like you know, that they, they've gone to hell and come back, for example. Uh, I've heard none of those stories, and... Uh, the palliative care docs tell me that those are those are really really rare. Uh, that they almost universally hear very positive things and and uplifting, hopeful things uh, when people are near death, which is interesting. Wow. Now, you know, I was going to say that. Um, John, shut up. Uh, was he right? 
Okay, he was right. Anyways, what I was going to say was is that, you know, when, when I think, do you think maybe that has a lot to do with what they actually believe? It you might, know, if they believe might, that, I just don't know. They, yeah. Right. Now, how many, let's just say, for instance, you have 100 stories, and if 100 stories come back stating the same thing, that there was nothing bad, then that gives us a, a sign of hope that not all of it will be that way. You know, will not, it won't be bad. It won't be just hope that there there is nothing negative on that side, especially if a hundred cases that you hear of stories that's pretty good you know and I'm sure there's yeah. thousands and hundreds of thousands of stories uh, from people saying that they saw you know their parents or someone saying you're not ready yet and blah 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 and it was a loving situation and caring situation versus something bad I don't know if I've ever heard something bad to be honest with you as in a bad I, story but I've not even somebody I've not heard anything bad in in these stories from doctors I, I heard lots and lots of stories so some of them are really spectacular which are the ones I put in the book but even the ordinary routine stories I, I I've not heard anything about uh, you know something bad when a person uh, crossed over so I I that's I just the way that just what I, what I what I observed yeah, so that gives us the hope that mm-hmm. there isn't. But the only thing, I do remember hearing a story. I don't remember if I read it or I heard it. The gentleman said there is a hell because um, he didn't see light. He saw dark. He saw all these things from his life that were not the Good. greatest. Okay. And But then he came back. But that allowed for him to change his ways. So it was like he was seeing his sins. It was it right, was the darkness part. So he saw his sins, and this was his right. way of repenting for. Right. Okay. So what did so? So John was right. Okay. So John said wrong. See, in, I I know I knew that it was there was a law of physics right. that said that energy cannot die; that it can only disperse. It can just go it out. It can only change. And right. John kept telling me, well, it's the law of conservation of energy. And I'm like, no, it's not, John. Right, right. John is absolutely right. It is the, it, the law of conservation of energy, which states that the total uh, total energy of an isolated I, wow, See, you think I'm bad isolated <laughs> system remains constant. It is said to be conserved over time. This law means that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Rather, it can only be transformed from one form to another, which is true. So this, people, is our, I like to call it our skin, our human skin, right? Okay, she, you have kind of explain it to Doc because he didn't see what you were saying. Oh, so I'm just touching my arm right now, and okay, I'm just so, saying mm-hmm. that this, this yeah. human body, this is just our... Our, I don't usually call it our skin. What do I usually call it? Our, basically our skin. Yeah, it's our um, form. It's what holds in our energy. Just holding this energy, and once this physical body remains, there is. It's oh, when it disappears, energy. you mean? When this, when it, when this form dies, dies. The the energy that makes us us cannot die. It just, it just changes form. It releases from this body and proceeds on. Right. Bodiless. Right. And that's the whole... Yeah, what you're describing is a spirit, which most of the docs would, would, would right. go along with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the fantastic. basis of that is how we get ghosts and hauntings and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And that's what led to the theory that ghosts exist 
and finding the ghost because the energy does not disappear. It is not destroyed. It right. only changes, so it's still out there. So the, the thought form is, is, you know, people will say, oh, well, I'm going in the ground. The worms will eat me. I'll feed somebody. My energy will. <laughs> okay, well, sorry. Your form has already transitioned prior to going into the ground. Sorry. That's well, look at all the stories like that. Like, and, and I'm sure Doc has seen these. When somebody passes, like if they pass in the hospital, there has always been stories of these people leaving their body. Mm-hmm. And somebody else, there has been rare ca- cases where people have seen this person leave their body and just float away. Right. So wh- what, does, what does that tell us? That tells us that the soul or the energy is actually leaving that body because afterwards the body's Changing dead. Form. It's nothing. It's just an empty vessel. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I, I believe that in the research that we do, because we can take a needle and draw blood from a ghost because we don't know what they're made of, we don't even know they exist. Mm-hmm. We have no way of telling it that stuff, but we do know that energy is left behind. Right. So it's detecting that energy. Yes. And we maybe do. we need to do experiments with Doc. Maybe maybe Doc has to get us into a hospital. We have to find different ways to regulate the energy when somebody passes. Somehow to well, to see it leave and capture what it is or whatever. Well, there's the also there, there is a theory that once prior to death they take the weight of the body and and after death they weigh it again and it's not like seven ounces difference and they say that the weight of your soul is seven ounces. And I don't know if you've heard about this, Dr. Kolbaba, but this is something you've heard. No, I've, I've not hey. heard that. But uh, there was an interesting uh, thing that happened to one of our uh, surgeons at, that, at our hospital. She was uh, very close to a couple that were um, missionaries, uh, medical missionaries in Africa. And they would uh, operate and, and do all kinds of things uh, their whole life for, for the natives of, of Africa. And when they got older, they had to moved back here they couldn't take uh, the rough life of uh, central africa anymore and um, they were visiting uh, the the woman had some medical issues that she was visiting my surgical friend noemi sigalov and uh, had some surgery and and did really well and they were very religious uh, people and and uh, the uh, the fellow ron was his name uh, they were both doctors uh, said to to Dr. Sigalov that uh, someday uh, he would show her that there is life after death and that uh, there is a place where we all go when we die. And Dr. Sigalov again thought that was a, kind of a nice thing to say, but really, you know, didn't put too much stock in that. And every time they saw her, they would ask her how her faith is and things like that, and, and in a nice way. And she didn't wasn't offended by that at all. But he kept saying. You know, someday I'll I'll show you that there that there is something else. And so uh, this one particular weekend, uh, Dr. Sigalov was planning to go to Tucson for a, like a three-day vacation, and she had a a, a um, surgery to do uh, uh, late at night, and so she had to go back the first thing in the morning before her flight to, to see this person. She was, she was in the hospital about four o'clock in the morning, way before anyone else. And when she when she uh, opened the the door of the hospital, there was like kind of a puff of air. It kind of took her back a little bit, and all of a sudden she saw an image of uh, this individual. Ron was dressed in white with a smile on his face that made her think that he had accomplished her, his major life goal. And she she said she was so surprised to see him that she said, hello, fellow, and and then <laughs> she realized that, that nothing was there. She looked around to make sure that no one saw her, and then she went about her, her job and and. You know, saw the person and went. Finally, got to, on the airplane and flew off to Tucson. 
she turned off her email and everything else when she was there, but when she was coming back, she was at the airport and, and turned all the stuff back on, and there was an email uh, from the uh, president of the medical staff, and it said, we uh, regret to announce that Ron so-and-so, the doctor that was a missionary in Africa, uh, passed away. He'll will miss him very much. And uh, she looked at the time that he passed away. He passed away at 1 o'clock in the morning, the three hours before she saw him appear in the hospital to her. And she's convinced wow. that he indeed did show her, uh, he did accomplish his major life goal as a missionary to show her that there was life after death, that he could come back and show her that there was something uh, to, to that. Uh-oh. And uh, that's why that the smile was the, the, that the major accomplishment mm. of his life had, had, been, had been done. Well, that's I amazing. love that story. Now, there is, it's 21 grams according to, was that Wikipedia? Well, um, Caesar had said that it's called 21 grams, and they said they even have a, name, a movie named after it. And hmm. it says that it's 7 ounces. 0.7 ounces. So um, I think that's where I got the, because I, I remember hearing it saying that it's, that's interesting though. I mean, yeah. that, that's, I knew I heard seven ounces. So it's 0.7 ounces. That. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, this is I, my, you know how we get off track about things and you know what I just well, thought we about? Get off track. Yeah. I, I just thought ADD about central. I, well, I just thought about this, that I remember watching a movie about, um, Boy. I want to call it zombie dust or whatever, but these people were actually, it slowed their heart rate, so they thought they died. Mm-hmm. But the people thought they died. It would only okay. beat like once a minute or something. And they'd bury the person, and then they would come dig themselves out of the ground. It's yeah, part of voodoo, I think. Yeah, part of voodoo. actually, I was just going to say that, yeah. because, I, because they called it, the zo- they called them zombies. It's actually a I don't know why I book. thought that, but <laughs> the, for some reason that clicked into my mind. But... That I'll bet you that. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? The the drug doc or whatever it is that they use to slow the heart rate down all the way to like one beat a minute or whatever. Very, sure, very sure. Right. We, we we do that to uh, uh, some sometimes no. to to preserve bodily functions and so forth. Yeah. Well, I was gonna mm-hmm. say with and, with and that 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 drug actually would helps so that the body heals faster. Correct. I mean, that's the way you would look at it is that it would slow time enough for the body to heal. But we also I mean, cool bodies not, too. When they've when they've had a cardiac arrest, for example, will will cool a body down, and that's been shown to uh, preserve some brain function and and uh, preserve things that otherwise would would have been uh, destroyed uh, from a cardiac arrest. So yes, serpent. Yes, Caesar just put that up there. So Serpent in the Rainbow was one of my favorite movies. I watched that thing like ten times. I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a great movie, and it talks about um, yeah. Uh, uh, Eric Harrison said it was a powdered blowfish toxin. Um, so I, I just think it's interesting, you know, getting off that subject a little bit, but I think it's interesting that um, the indigenous people, uh, the Native Americans, they had, they, they showed us the plants, the healing plants, and then mm-hmm. we discovered, right, right. you know, certain drugs that helped us today and, and, and stuff. Correct. If it wasn't for, for all this stuff that they find, like, you know, in voodoo and stuff like that. Some of those medications have just changed our lives. Right. You know, that's true. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Like what is it? Willow bark. That is actually aspirin. Yeah. Yeah. Willow bark. And there's, there's so much. It's like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know 
And this was something that was taught to me through my family, um, being Seneca Indian and Irish as well. They had their own thing, but there was something called coltsfoot, and it was a, a, a it's an actually herb, an, I believe. an herb, right? But it was actually just a it was a giant leaf that had fuzz underneath the bottom of it that would, you could find roadside. And if you took it and dried it and smoked it, it actually helped you heal from bronchitis. Wow, that's fantastic. That's so, why I use yeah. like echinacea and stuff. And yeah, well, echinacea is good for headache and a lot of ailments, yeah. But there's, mm-hmm. I think the doses have to be really, really high. But, uh, you know, that's a good – I was going to ask Doc about that, and I didn't get a chance to. So, And we have a little bit of time here. Doc, have, have you ever seen or heard the movie Flatliners? No, no. Yeah. What's it about? Um, Sheila, Sheila um, Oslander well, is bringing it, was, it up. The original one was back in the late 80s. Yeah, that was uh, with, with Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. Sutherland. That was a great and movie. The new one it. was different. I didn't see the new one. I just saw it. But um, the whole premise behind it was... They try to flatline each other to yeah, they, see the in-between state, basically, yes, be, between yeah, be, life and death. Right. So they so they actually these students actually went through and they they, they were medical students. Right. They killed mm-hmm. each other. Basically. They basically were killing each other for a certain amount mm-hmm. of seconds, like four seconds, and then to seven seconds or whatever. Actually, it was one minute, two minute. I, I could four remember. minutes. There was one that even went up to seven or nine minutes and whatever. Right. But and they were showing. They were saying that you know the as they kept doing this, the worst things. All their sins started happy. popping up. All the things that they did bad, like if they harassed a, a, another student in school, if they hmm. um, yes. beat up somebody, if so they then. stole, that this stuff all came back to haunt them. Right, basically. So it was playing like the negativity the side of it. But they had to go it, back but... and repent for this. So, so if that girl they harassed in high school was still living, they would have to go back and apologize, and that person had to forgive them before this curse from flatlining would be removed. Right, basically. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so so it was it was different. So, what? Your son just asked a question. What did he say? Oh, then they suffered. They couldn't be. They couldn't be. They they weren't forgiven, so they got punished. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That that was side wasn't ever explained, but no. but it's one of those things. I find it now, Doc. Do what about people? I mean, I don't know if this happens, but I've heard that sometimes that they can actually they have to stop a heart sometimes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when yeah. they do you medically, stop a heart, stop a heart for uh, open, uh, open heart open surgery in most it, cases. It, in many cases, right? Sometimes so they operate a beating heart, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So that's where some of these stories come from, right? Is from the people that. You know, if their heart is stopped, do you have stories from them? Is it the same type of story, I guess, is where I'm coming with this, is that they've seen? Well, they, they stop their heart, Probably but they not also like felt, then connect but... them to a bypass machine that bypasses the heart and still right. perfuses the brain and the rest of the organ systems. And so... Okay, so uh, they, at, they, they don't actually die? No, they, they, uh, no they... They, the heart stops. But again, there, there's a there's a pump that pumps the blood through the whole body to keep the body alive. Okay, so the soul is while the heart is stopped. So the okay, okay. Yeah, I wanted to see if there was a difference. I was trying to piece it in my head, you know, to I, make sure. I still think there's something to um, doctors and reikiing themselves, reiki having reiki energy, especially doing like opening the body of any sort, having that kind of. Well, reiki is very popular right now. 
And well, it's, it's even it's, before. But I mean, but now, I mean, right. I know and people then, that are becoming. I, there's actually um, right here in Webster, the, um, I love going to the urgent care there on Barrett Drive mm-hmm. um, because they actually, um, there's a doctor and he has a Reiki room right in, in his office. Wow. He he believes in wow. Reiki. He he does Reiki, and he, you you go into that room. I actually I'm like, wait, does somebody Reiki here? And I had never been told. And my PA was like, yeah. How did you know that? I'm like, I can actually feel it. And he said, you can. He's like, well, do you want to go to the room where he does it? I'm like, you have a Reiki room here. He says, yeah. <laughs> and I'm in there, and it was just the most amazing. Energy. You could feel a palpable difference from that room to the other exam rooms. Hmm. It was amazing. Wow. So, Doctor um, Kobaba, have you? Do you have any experience with Reiki or anything like that? I know we're getting close really for ten o'clock but, time. But we just uh, got on staff of a hospital locally that really is promoting uh, wellness and um, uh, looking at the whole person. And they do Reiki there, and um, they're getting into all these things, uh, have special rooms for patients for meditation and things like that, so that they're paying a lot more attention to the spirit, the human spirit, than just the human body. And I think that's going to be the trend uh, in medicine these days, to to look at both. Yeah. So, I mm-hmm. agree with you 100%, my friend. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear that. Well, you know what? Chicago is um, has some really good things that it, they've done in advancements. I mean, now we have that you're telling me about this, but I remember several years ago they were in the forefront just in the, for the local government there, um, just for making the city more green. So that was that was amazing for me that I because I love you know greening up this world yeah. and. They had some really great advancements just there. So I love hearing that Chicago is on the forefront, again, medically speaking, um, thinking about the spirit and not just the body. Well, I just saw something, and I was trying to find it while you were talking, was Mm -hmm. that it came out, and I don't remember if it was the HuffPost or whatever, but we've had our experiences with HuffPost. But um, (laughs) they were talking about that – the energy being transferred from person to person is now being studied more. Oh, it's, it's actually, you can literally, I, I, so I did some weird stuff that I, I didn't know what I was doing. I won't call it Reiki to this day because I just have an innate ability Mm -hmm. that I can, so I can look at you and I can, I can see areas of, Mm, unrest or something in your body so i ask if i can scan you and then i can see spots okay and most of the time people can explain to me what those gray gray black or white spots are that i see right um but also it can bring attention to that client of mine but i would also then just would tell me what to do and I would just send energy that comes from spirit through me to my client, and I would just automatically do it. And I am assuming that's going to be very similar to Reiki energy. I don't know for certain. I actually have a course for Reiki, which I will be doing. Nice. <laughs> it's on nice. my. It's in my. It's in my wheelhouse. It's in my to-do list. Mm. So 
Yeah. Well, there was a lot of stuff like um, I was. I'm going to say hill people because hillbillies, uh, my family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They always had that old saying, "Hands on." Right. Right. And what it was yeah. is that if somebody was having a fit, if somebody was having a, a um, pretty much like a, a bad, they were in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. This person would lay down, and the the family laying elders would hand. come and actually do the laying on of hands and yeah. actually transfer energy um, to them, and miraculously, some of them you know, healed and so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's not a, it's been around for a long time. Oh, a very long time. There, we just there are, is something to lay on hands to saying prayers for people that have been shown to, right. to really uh, make a, make a change. And you can, you can pray for someone in the ICU, for example, that doesn't even know, you don't even know them and they don't even know you're praying for them. That may make a difference in their healing. It's very interesting. No one can explain that, that completely. That, yeah, that's yeah, what, that's what yeah. I was going to say because I've also heard of um, music therapy. Yeah, where um, people they would actually play music and it was a, a soothing music to bring them back or their favorite music and mm-hmm. certain people would actually say, hey, you know, it's like what was his favorite music? Let's bring in a, a recorder, let's play his music. Yeah, you know, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and that would help that person heal faster. Right. right. So mm-hmm. it's not out of the world that things that we know in, um, let's say, other faiths other um, cultures, um, the mystical, the unknown, some things do work. But it's not the answer to all things because right. it is true that we still right. need to have medical miracles we have today. We have to have the, mu- oh, we do. the physicians, Absolutely. we have to have the doctors, and we have to have the surgeries and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But having all that other stuff behind it or with it, I should say, side by side, having that with it helps support it. And that's the same with prayers I think it does. music mm-hmm. or I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, if I think more people are open to it, I think, you know, that would, it would help us, you know, more. Hey, we're, we are, you know, everything evolves, and this race is evolving as well. I agree. Yes, and we're becoming more conscious. They've, they've even, there's been right. several I mean, studies that I've seen. We're not as closed-minded as we used to be. We're very right. open-minded to certain things. Um, we're becoming more conscious. Yeah, exactly. And I think... That old well, saying, could, knowledge is power, is yeah. true because we but, have to have the knowledge to... Right. But think about it this way. You can see that we have had a shift in consciousness just from pop culture, right? Right. Think about it this way. Back in the 70s, you would never have had a show about angels or mediums or psychic or anything. Now, flash forward, you had the end of the 80s, you had um, Michael... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Landon, Michael Michael Landon, Landon. who was an angel, right? Mm -hmm. And then there were several shows about angels. And then we actually got into the early 90s to mid-90s. And then you had um, shows like Medium and Ghost Whisperer. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. And then you had Ghost Hunters and you had all these other shows. And then you had so much. And you can see the evolution of consciousness right on our TVs. Things that right we never talked about. Our guests. Right. I mean, right here, writing yeah. stories about things right. that happen to people that have passed. In, I mean, in this the is, hospitals. Well, in the, it's yeah. interesting you mention that because we're working with a production company in New York right now that's been out here filming for a trailer to uh, to produce a, a television series on the book. So that's very interesting that you mentioned oh, that. Oh, yay. 
That is awesome. I'm so happy to hear yes, that, Dr. Yes, so excited Bubba. about that. That is great. That's fantastic. So we got lots of good news today. My gosh, <laughs> we sure do. Wow, yeah, that's I awesome. I love it. I'm so happy to hear that for you. It, I actually, so you need to know, Dr. Kobaba, I got goosebumps, which means, everybody, the truth has been spoken. Ah, look at you. Yeah, so look that I, got, I have good vibes for that, Dr. Kobaba. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So why don't you why don't you give us some um, let's put it out here to our fans and people that are listening to the radio. Do you have a you have a website, Doc, that they can go yeah. to? Physiciansuntoldstories.com is our website, and our book uh, is Physicians Untold Stories. It's available through Amazon, and uh, I'm working on uh, book number two. So if anyone has any wonderful stories, we're looking for physicians and nurses, and then others. Uh, I think this could be a whole oh. series of books that. Uh, go through uh, things that you simply can't explain other than uh, that they're miraculous. And there's some, some force out there. Most of the docs called it God, but you can call it what you like. There's a force that's higher than us that participates in our lives in strange and wonderful ways and that there are people that have died uh, ahead of us that still know what we're doing and can, can also can participate in our lives. Mm-hmm. I would really, I, I'm I really excited to hear where the book is going to go. You know, oh where, gosh, where so the story excited. is and how this is going to evolve itself. I mean, this is amazing. Well, Doctor Kolbaba, please come back when it's when it actually. Uh, yeah, we want when, you when, to come back when we're like, able to to talk to, about the the, the show, and, show and your and second book. I we'll mean, do. please let's uh, let's head back and let's absolutely. Uh, you know, let's do that. I mean, I I think it's amazing. I love um, that. Oh my gosh, Munji the. You are hysterical. You Reiki, I Munji, potato, potato. Oh my gosh, <laughs> my gosh! I, love you, I can't wait to have Munji on the show. I know. I can't wait for that. So That's gonna be so much so fun. Crazy. Yes, Munji. And while you're listening, you're supposed to be creating a video, 10 second, 20 second video. We want him to make a commercial that we can put on here oh, of him being on. I think it's gonna be awesome. Oh my god, that's awesome. Now you know. Next week. Um, I, I, this is not paranormal, but the gentleman that's going to be on the show, um, I just want to put in here before we finish up with Doc, uh, is amazing. He was just invited back to a special episode or a special season of Naked and Afraid. <laughs> Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid. My son saw that one time. They're like, what is that? And yeah, I said, yeah. I said it's a naked person. He's like, <laughs> he's like, is that a woman too? And I said, yes, it's usually a man and a woman. And they're, because, you know, it's bleeped out. Yeah. And they're like, what in the world are they doing? I said, yeah. well, it's called naked and afraid. He they're goes, trying to survive. They're, yep. they're literally trying to be camping naked? <laughs> that was hysterical. Um, trying to explain it to Trent Nielsen's going to be on the show with us next, next Monday. Um, he's one of the contestants that was on that show, Naked and Afraid. He actually had an experience with a Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and he's going to tell us his story about that. But he was—he just went back. He was asked to come back on a special show, Good. a special series for Naked and Afraid. This is our second Naked and Afraid guest. We actually... Um, we like the naked people? Uh, apparently, we like <laughs> naked people. Um, but we had E.J. Schneider on um, before you came. Yes, before. And um, okay. he was a part of, uh, we did an episode with him also. But I am a fan, 
and I think it's amazing. These people are put in very rough situations out in the wild, naked. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are afraid because there are creatures out there, there are um, diseases, there are bugs, there are... And they have to survive. Me no want that. No. (laughs) And so they tell us, he's going to come out and he's going to tell us his story about being stalked by a creature. uh, Which he believes was Sasquatch or a Bigfoot. And so that's going to be next week's show, Monday clock, Monday, Monday at 8 o'clock. o'clock, Monday clock, Monday clock, Monday at 8 <laughs> o'clock right here on Paratalk Radio. Yeah. And, um, Doc, I got to say thank you so much for coming here and sharing your stories and your yes, book. Yes, 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 fantastic. We were both so, yeah, this was just fun. amazing. I love, I love stories. You know, I, I love hearing what other people have to say. Yeah. Especially when they're in a situation like dying. Well, and or not back. even dying and just under, you know, in a the stress hospital. Or trauma or whatever. Yeah, right, I mean, it, right. it's, and I'm sure that you don't think about that, you know, phenomenon happening mm-hmm. in a hospital. Right. You think of it in a morgue, you think of it in a, a funeral home, you think mm-hmm. of it in a cemetery, you think of it, oh, speaking of cemetery, <laughs> uh, that's your reminder. Um, you. You, you you think of this stuff in, in dark, dingy places. places. Right. And that's one of the reasons I I'll, I know it sounds crazy. My dad was in the hospital a lot, a lot. And, um, you know, so I would ask them all the time, the nurses especially, because I had the most access to them, and I would ask them if they had any kind of cool stories, and they just, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Well, you they know, did. that's the same thing. They, didn't, like, they didn't tell you. They did. No, they didn't. They, they wouldn't yeah, tell and, me. And, they won't, Especially, yeah. and I would tell them that, I'm like, look, I'm a psychic medium. I'm just curious. Right. Because I know the things I experience when I'm in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But dead people walking around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's just, it's been a wonderful show. We really appreciate you sharing what you have. I can't wait till you come back and tell us about the TV show. Yeah, I think that's going to be amazing. TV and then the second book. And, yeah, that's okay. So, um, you want to, you want to. I just want to show everybody my boys. Oh, Come here, guys. You guys can come up here and creep behind your mama or us here. You can. So, but, Doc, again, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Um, Folks, this episode will be posted. Um, by the end of the week on paratalkradio.com. All you have to do is go to our archived um, shows, and you will find it there. Doc, if you want to see it, it's also there. And um, hang on, Doc, while we end this show, and then we'll get the address for you. So hang tight. All right, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you for joining Thank you so much, Doc. Thank you for joining everybody. Thank you, Doc. All right, remember, wherever there is darkness, there's always delight. Jansen and Jeff. Wave, guys. You've been listening to Paranormal Talk right here on paratalkradio.com. Catch us again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Central, where we will bring you another fantastic guest. Thank you again to our sponsors and Jay Wolf Productions. Be safe, be good, until next time. Remember, wherever there is darkness, there is always delight. Paratalkradio.com. Should have had your hoods off. <laughs>
Break it, I pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Uh, cemetery. Cemetery. Hold on. So, Cindy, can I get your address? Oh, sure. Sure, sure. Wait, 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 Yep, C O L E Street. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, Williamson, W I L L I A M S O N, New mm-hmm. York, 14589. Mm-hmm. 14589. I'll put it in the mail. Good to talk with you. Yeah, and it's Cindy, Cindy Thompson. Yep, Cindy, C I N D Y, and it's Thompson, T H O M P S O N. P S O N. Good enough. Thanks so much, and thanks for the interview. But- Thank, Thank you again, you. Doc. We really appreciate it. Thank Doc, you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this so much. So, uh, Have a great night. Yeah, All right. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. I loved I didn't know he was still in there, actually. Yeah.